Blessed is the wound that bore you and the breast that nursed you. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is a very special feast. We celebrate the taking of Our Lady as a three-year little girl to the temple where she would be fed by angels and raised until she came into her womanly way, at which time she would have to leave the temple. And of course, her parents were long gone, and uh, there was an extended family around her. So we think that at that point, she was probably taken in, into the care of St. Joseph. Later on, they would be betrothed so that there would be no scandal. But of course, they were not married because there would be no marital embrace because she was a virgin all of her life. If we are scripture scholars, and we should pay attention to our scripture, and we should read it with the criteria of the teaching of the fathers, the history of the early church, and of course, a knowledge of the language. So many of us uh, have had the privilege to study both Greek and Latin, and some people Hebrew, and they can decipher for us. Many times we read the Bible in English, we miss a lot of it, and uh, that's a shame, but you should try to conquer Koine Greek. The Bible is written in Koine Greek. Now, the Old Testament uh, talks about a te the temple. And of course, the first temple was built by Moses, and it was in the form of a tent. And I love those descriptions of him praying in the temple. What they were doing is trying to locate God in one spot so they could talk to him. And of course, when they built the temple, the Shekinah came, the breath of God, the cloud of God's knowing, and settled on that temple. Subsequent to that, uh, we have the first real temple at Stonewin in Jerusalem and Zion. And uh, it was destroyed, of course, and then the third temple was the one that Jesus was familiar with and prayed there. Uh, of course, of course, it's, um, he wasn't always happy with what went on in the temple, but he still went there to pray because it was his father's house. And he went there for the feast days and holidays. And you can read all that for yourself in your New Testament. Which reminds me that Catholics today are not always coming to church on feast days. And they really should do that. And you know, at least follow the example of our Lord as he was very observant of the church calendar of his time. And he left us that tradition. Uh, so then always longing for the presence of the Lord on the earth and to see the face of God 
They would always pray to God, let us see God, let us see God. Moses, when he went up on the mountain, he did not see God's face. He just saw the shadow of him. It was back parts, they said. And he went up there twice. And many people go to Sinai and uh, go up there. They take that big walk and they go to the top and they pray over Moses' grave. And of course, there's the hut there of St. John of the Ladder, uh, who lived up there and wrote the ladder, which is our steps to spiritual perfection. We follow, we try to follow that. And uh, there was always this longing. So in the fullness of time, it says that uh, the Virgin Mary matured and she would become the new temple. So she would be the wife of God the Father and she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and the second person of Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, would come down into her womb. And though under her heart, she would fit to him a body, a human body. We call that the incarnation. They were getting close to Christmas and we celebrate his, his birth. Magnificent happening. So that the apostolic church, the people who know Jesus, they saw his face. They heard his voice, and he was the true, Mary was the true temple, and he was the God that occupied it. And if our Lord was there, so was the Father and the Son. So no other holy person has ever existed on the earth except the Holy Theotokos. We should be mindful of that. And we're very fortunate to have these relics here in our monastery. All of us, every one of us, who are baptized and chrismated and eat the body and blood of the Lord in a, a Holy Eucharist, are temples. Jesus told us that, you are the temple of the Lord. What makes us the temple of the Lord is the occupation of our very being, our soul, with the living God. And so when you were chrismated, that was your personal Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down upon you and made you, uh, gave you the gifts of chrismation. And those gifts are faith, hope, and charity, which are infused. And they were given to you so you would worship the true living God. And one of the things I take great uh, solace in is in uh, the book of Second Book of Corinthians. It says, even when we're having difficulty praying, the Holy Spirit still prays in us. He never leaves us. But unless we live a life in conformity to the will of Christ and the teachings of the church, we sometimes push God away from us. And there is God interceding for us, Christ seeking to love us, and the Virgin praying for us, but we ignore their advances. This is a tragedy, the tragedy of all life. 
because there's so many hostile voices around us in the world. And that has always been the case. But maybe today it's worse. And some people who are very politically active, so I discourage the monastery from doing that, they look at our United States government. Remember, it's not a Christian government. It's Masonic. All the buildings in Washington, except for maybe the National Shrine the Catholics built, and St. Matthew's where Kennedy was buried from, it's a little uh, cathedral, uh, are uh, Masonic buildings. And I just think that that's one of our problems. And so we have a Constitution and Bill of Rights, which we cling to, and it's interpreted by Congress, the two houses of Congress. But today it is antagonistic to our Catholic faith. Do not subscribe to these people who are not of the household of the faith. Sometimes, well, we have to do it for money or things like that. Don't give your soul away for money. Try to help our nation as best we can. It needs a lot of prayer. The abortion thing is terrible. So our president went to uh, see the Pope. And he says the Pope said he could go to communion. I don't know what the Pope said. All I know is that I have a very dear bishop friend. I have several bishop friends. And I asked one of them, what would you do if you knew a person who was an abortionist came into your church? Would you not give him communion? What would you do? He says, I would have to first hear his confession. And after hearing his confession, if I could give him absolution, he could go to communion like any other Catholic. There are no exceptions for these big politicians, so don't let them deceive you. And some of them claim to be Catholics, but they're not in good standing. Remember that. If they go against the teachings of Christ and his church, how can they be good standing? In fact, one of the monks reminded me yesterday, he says, they're all old. They're all going to die. And where are they going to go? And you're going to grow old and die. Where are you going to go if you don't keep faith with Christ and his church? The true wound of God, the fathers say, was the Blessed Virgin Mary. She brought him into this world for our salvation. And I like to think about heaven as best I can. And I like to read, um, you know, Apocalypse and see what the mystics have to say about it. And uh, it's beautiful. 
As you walk into the church, there's the last judgment from the book of Apocalypse, where Christ is on a horse, and the, the word of God is like a sword coming from his mouth, and he has an epic nation at his side, which means he's a great preacher of gospel truth. On one side are the simple saved, on the other side are those who have sold their soul for wealth, power, or position, and there's a great serpent there, which is the hell, which represents hell. Why do we put it in the narthex? Because as we go through the narthex, we're supposed to ask for forgiveness so we can come into the temple, which is the place where heaven dwells. Especially in the Byzantine church, we think that the temple, this church, is heaven on earth. And our most holy thing here, actually, is not the relics of Blessed Virgin Mary, which are very rare and very cherished, and we're happy to have them. And certainly many miracles have been produced by these relics. But it's our Lord's presence in the holy table, in the tabernacle, and, and the chalice, when we receive him body, blood, Lord, soul, and divinity. And I bring up the apocalypse because as you read about his appearance in heaven, he is, he is robed in white and gold, and his eyes are like fire, and he is all beautiful. And there by his side is the Holy Theotokos, similarly dressed. That same glorified Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, divinity, is also present in the Blessed Sacrament when, the Christ, when Christ is consecrated and the Holy Spirit comes down and perfects him. If you watch carefully, you see in the Byzantine church, the priest pours hot water into the chalice and steam comes out, representing the descent of the Holy Spirit. So we, what we act out in gestures and prayer is the reality of heaven on earth in the Eucharist. And we're privileged because we can receive that Eucharist. God comes into us. And why is he coming to make of you a temple? To encourage you to live a devout life so that when your life on earth is ended, he will come say to you, come blessed of my Father into the heavenly kingdom. That's why you're here. That's why you're on the earth, for your destiny. So don't worry too much about the world. The world is politics and its lack of leadership, Christian leadership, is passing away. And the politicians are always trying to destroy our church. They cannot do that. Christ said the gates of hell will not prevail against our church. But don't let these things discourage you. How can we grow to be the saints that God calls us to be? By our prayer, by our fidelity to the sacraments, by our family life,
that every home is a little monastery, a little church, by family prayer, by teaching our children the truths of our faith and keeping them away from harm. You parents, when you die, you go before the judgment, and the Lord's going to ask one question of you. What did you do with the children I gave you? Are they going to join you here? Did you raise them in the church? And I hear that there's a great fallout of the church. Uh, not particularly our church. We're sort of growing. Um, we have new missions and on the East Coast, we have many new places, and uh, which is a good sign for our church, but that can usually goes up and down anyway. But we have to be able to dialogue or teach our faith to others, and it has to come out of a genuine heart so that you're bursting with love for Christ and his church, but you can't help but say the right thing. Do not compromise. Do not compromise. Last week, so I talked about marriage. You, some were here, some were not. Marriage is a sacrament. It was made so at Cana by our Lord. We know it's difficult. But your commitment to marriage is the commitment to Christ, not to the man or woman that married. And you must keep your commitments to Christ. If a religious person like a monk or a nun or somebody like that leaves their vocation, it's considered a great tragedy. And uh, for example, if I monk leaves here, I have to write to the Pope himself to get things straightened up. But it will never straighten up unless he returns to his own, the vocation he's called to. So your marriage may be difficult, but you have treasures in your house, your children. And even if you have difficulty in marriage, sickness, financial worries, all those things, persevere. You will, you will get a crown in heaven, just like the monk or the nun or even the Pope himself. Some people worry about the Pope. They don't like what he says. Don't worry about that. He's trying to dialogue with a world that's impossible. Just pray for him stays well and pray for our church, especially our Byzantine Catholic Church. We're one of 23 individual particular churches in union with the Holy See of Rome. And over here in the United States, the Roman Church is sort of large. It's shrinking now. But in other parts of the world, it's small. And the larger churches are the Oriental churches. Oriental churches are very steadfast. The Roman Church is always dealing with a multiplicity of different kinds of people. Difficult job. Interesting. 
till Mary entered the temple. She became the new temple, which was be fed and raised in the temple to be holy. And she would leave, and the Holy Spirit would come upon her, and she would conceive our Lord, who was the very temple of God amongst us, to call us to live as the temple. Be faithful. Meditate every day. Read the holy books of the fathers. Say your prayers. Set a good example for all of us that need your strength, like Our Lady did. What did she say? I like the Latin text. Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuam. Let it happen to me according to your word. Let everything happen to you according to the word of Christ in the gospel that you will rejoice in the presence of the Mother of God in the heavenly sanctuary. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.